Blog Talk Radio. What happens when you try and cut the very heart out of a show? The Twitterverse reacted today, and we'll have an update in just a moment on the situation at General Hospital and whether or not it's too late to keep Jeannie Francis as Laura Spencer around on the show right after this. Well, the rumors began circulating not too long ago. I believe it was Daytime Confidential that first sort of put it out there in the universe that something was going down at General Hospital regarding Jeannie Francis's contract, and uh, it's now official. Her spokesperson, uh, her uh, agent, has spoken to Entertainment Weekly and confirmed that, quote, she did not want to leave the show as a series regular. It was not her choice to leave. But uh, she will be leaving the show. Apparently, they could not come to an agreement. And she you, you can tell from what it says right there, if you look very closely at the words, she did not want to leave the show as a series regular. In other words, she wanted to stay on as a contract player. Uh, it's terrible, terrible timing for all this to go down, given that they have – spent the last few months building the character of Laura back up. We, you know, we gave her uh, – it, it started when she began serving as a surrogate grandma uh, – actually, I guess, real grandma – to Spencer. Then she got married to Kevin. Then she began running for mayor and got very involved with all of the politics down on the uh, Charles Street, in the Charles Street District. And, you know, fans were loving it. Fans were eating up the fact that Jeannie Francis was getting actual story and actual good dialogue and actual, you know, they, they were using this beloved character who was a huge part of the show. And then just like that comes this news. Uh, I can only suspect that the writers had no idea that this uh, this situation was going to unfold and that the um, the powers that be and Jeannie would not be able to come to an agreement because I really don't think that they would have set this, this whole Laura runs for mayor story in motion. They may not have even gone through with a wedding for Laura if, if they had known this was going to happen, or perhaps they would have married Laura and Kevin and then allowed them to leave the canvas together and, you know, happily ever after. It'll be real interesting to see what happens from here. But is this, the end uh is this you know is this a done deal let's not forget that it wasn't all that long ago that we saw something very very similar happen with rebecca herbst where she was let go with the show they couldn't come to an agreement fans you know their heads exploded they mounted a very active campaign and the next thing you know uh, Rebecca Hurst is back on contract. So who knows? Maybe it's not too late. And there's certainly a lot of activity going on out there. Uh, will is very is very specifically designed to show the powers that be at General Hospital that Jeannie Francis is much loved, is the heart of the show. And I'm just realizing I didn't even introduce myself. I dove right in here. But if you're listening, you probably already know that I'm Richard Sims, the executive editor and tweet master general at Soaps in Depth 
Magazine. And uh, we're going to be joined right here by uh, a regular on the show, a friend of the show, a friend of mine, despite the fact that some people take our Twitter silliness to think that we really don't like each other. Uh, We're going to get his take on the situation with Jeannie Francis as well. That would be the one and only Dan Cole of SoapCentral.com. Dan, how are you doing tonight? I'll be down in a minute. I'm on the phone with that jerk Richard from Soaps in Depth. I'll be done shortly, though. Oh, hello. <laughs> hello, how <laughs> are you? What's going on? You know, <laughs> I'm pretty all right. Before, Happy New Year. Even before we started talking about uh, – before we dive in with General Hospital and Jeannie, it's funny. We were talking earlier tonight because we actually talk all the time uh, about the fact that some people actually think that we do not like each other and that we're enemies. And um, I just want to confirm that. Would you join me in confirming that? I confirm nothing that you say. I will say just the opposite of usually what you say. Actually, but then that would make us friends. So, no, I agree with you. We hate each other. <laughs> so, Dan, give us your take I, yeah. on uh, the Jeannie Francis situation now that it is it is official. I mean, we've, we've known this. We have talked about this privately for a while. We knew this was coming. Um, uh, but, you know, there are, there are certain things that you are and aren't allowed to say and certain rules you play by, and so we, we sort of sat on this. But as predicted, when we, we kind of suggested that when the news came out, we told each other, boy, people's heads are going to explode, and guess what? People's heads are exploding. What's your take on this? I mean, where do you begin? It's There's so many different layers to this that I find sort of – repetitive, which I think in this case, it being so repetitive makes it almost all that more insulting. I'll sort of dial it back to uh, not to make everything about their cancellations, but this is a lot like when ABC canceled All My Children and One Life to Live and buried it in a press release about two new shows. Jeannie Francis seems to, I, I don't know what it is, you know, for someone who's so iconic in role, she seems to be treated so poorly by General Hospital on a on a regular basis. Um, I, I mean, I don't know. There, there's the part of me that says, you know, don't ever go back, Jeannie. Just stay away. If you're not appreciated, appreciated, go elsewhere. But then I feel like that's also, from her perspective, that's also hurting the fans if she doesn't go back because clearly, clearly people are upset, which means that the fans of General Hospital, like her, and like her character. So if she decides not to go back, which is just pure speculation, uh, in this, the statement that was given to Entertainment Weekly, there was also sort of a, uh, something that wasn't attributed in quotes, but sort of a, a summation of what the rep was saying, is that Jeannie would go back if the timing is right and the story is right. For me, you know, if she says, forget it, I don't want to be treated badly again, I mean, the fans are, are hurt that way. So the fans are hurt now because she's she's no longer on contract. But also, if she doesn't go back, they're sort of hurt again. So I don't know what the – I don't know. And, and I don't know if I were her, if, if she is feeling that she's treated poorly. As you said in the statement, uh, you can sort of tell exactly what's going on by the words that were, were chosen without it being said implicitly. I, I don't know that – I don't know. I mean, do you go back knowing that you might get treated poorly again? Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know what you make of it uh, by that regard. And, you know, in terms of reaction from fans, 
Uh, I did a little blind tweet a couple of days before all this came through, just saying I, something was coming that I knew fans' heads were going to explode. And I was pretty much right. Um, I mean, even people who aren't necessarily fans per se, that they do it either as as a career. Uh, Logan from, well, formerly of, of TV Guide, has uh, expressed his outrage. Even Robin Strasser, uh, formerly of, of One Life to Live, has expressed her outrage uh, as well. And, you know, we don't really know everything that's going on, but clearly someone wasn't offered a contract. So, you know, plus, minus, up, down, left, right. Uh, the fact is she wasn't offered a contract. So, I mean, I guess you have to sort of take that as the fact and uh, judge that on its, on its own merits. You know, there's also, we talk about whether she goes back, whether she doesn't go back. There's another option. And Charlie, um, actually my, my executive editor, no, he's managing editor, I guess. And, and best friend pointed out um, a really viable option would be for her to go Back to Days of Our Lives, where she played Diana Colville. They have um, they have a writer over there, Ron Carlovati, who's very familiar with her work. And Days, probably more than any other show on the air right now, is playing its bets. You know, whether you look at Lauren Coslow or uh, Suzanne Rogers, uh, John Aniston, they they that is a show that is heavily playing and invested in its bets and knows the value of a multi generational canvas and. Given that, given that Diana was involved with John, there'd be, you know, and John and Marlena are on the canvas, there, there certainly would be uh, an opening there for, for her to go somewhere where, you know, she might be a little more appreciated. And certainly, you know, we've seen, whether it was intentional or just a, a coincidence, Tyler Christopher is over there after he went through something apparently very similar at General Hospital, he's now on Days of Our Lives. Uh, I mean, it would, in theory, be a coup. The only thing that you start to wonder is with Days of Our Lives, and you know, we've every year we seem to have uh, hold our breath to see if the show is going to be renewed. The only concern that you know you have is how are they doing in terms of budget caps with salaries? They have a lot of people. I mean, some come and some go, which is is probably smart. For a lot of these things, uh, you know, people may call it stunt casting, but they have people who come back and they're there for a bit of a story, but long enough to get you interested. And by the time they leave, I'm thinking like Allison Sweeney was there for a bit, but by the time she leaves, then you're uh, bringing in Larissa. Uh, Larissa, why can't I speak today? It's so cold in this room. Louise is the word <laughs> I'm looking for. <laughs> I would just say Wheezy. We're going to call her Wheezy. It makes it easier. Weezy Sorrell. She loves that. She loves when you call her Weezy Sorrell. <laughs> well, you know, it's my name for her. That's why I struggle so much with the word Louise. Um, but you've got Your that. Name? And then, you know, <laughs> well, you know. Come here, Weezy. <laughs> oh, Weezy and Just I are going out to brunch tomorrow. <laughs> At least it's I didn't tell I anybody my pet I have that same I have that same relationship with Louise Schaefer, who uh, used to be uh, Eric Kane's mom on All My Children and Serena Faraday on The Edge of Night. I call her Wheezy, so, you know, uh, and she calls me Weezer, so it's Wheezy and Weezer, so, you know, because I work so heavily when I have to go anywhere. And that makes me think of that commercial where it's for the COPD, which isn't funny, yes. but where, it, where the little girl says, where the little girl says, 
<laughs> yes, exactly. That's me. I'm anyway, weird. She's weird. We've, I'm weird. So far gotten off the, the bit, but to where I was going with all of this before Wheezy came in and out is, you know, I, I don't know. I think Louise is uh, going to be around for a couple of months, so say three or so months. And you figure by the time she's winding down, they may be bringing back Lisa Rinna by then. So then you've got another bit. It seems like it's clever. It seems like it's well-timed, whether it's a coincidence or not, uh, especially since you know, Days is already writing for 2019, I think. Uh, it would be interesting to see her go back there. Uh, you know, it, it goes to the same thing as if, if someone doesn't appreciate you, there's someone out there who will. That doesn't necessarily apply just to dating and relationships that way. I guess it applies to business perspective as well. Um, I don't know. And I'm trying to think, let's turn this a bit since we're talking about fact. Could there have been a way that this could have been done if, if for whatever reason, General Hospital decided that they didn't need Jeannie Francis and or Lara? Was there a good way that they could have handled this? I mean, other than, sure, they could have written her out after the wedding, but they, the, the fact is they'd still be getting rid of her, and that wouldn't have been the way people wanted to go. Do they, you know, extend it a bit and, and have her win the, the mayorship, and then she just disappears because she's always in, in City Hall? Uh, was there a possible, was there a good outcome from this? I don't think that there could have been. I don't know that there was a good outcome, but this is the worst outcome. You know, this is this is build a character up, put them in great story, get people excited about that story, and then say, oops, never mind. I mean, this is really sort of the worst case scenario. And again, I fully believe that Chris Van Etten and Shelley Altman, the head writers over there, I fully believe they couldn't have known that this set of circumstances was going to unfold. Um, you know, in today's episode, we had the passing of the baton with – Laura basically saying to Alexis, you know, here, why don't, why don't you take my place and you run for mayor? And that's great, and it certainly, you know, it, it makes sense, and it puts Alexis and Ned, who at one time were, you know, were going to get married. Uh, they have a, a very long history together. It puts them as rivals, and that's interesting in and of itself because they know each other's history. They know each other's weaknesses. Uh, and um, according to the February Sweeps preview that I have coming out in the next issue, I think, uh, uh, you know, I'm told that, yes, this election, this this campaign process will get nasty because these are two people who know each other's secrets. So there is that bonus, but I just don't believe that it was intended this way. Uh, You know, even down to the fact that they had the prop department make posters for Laura, you know, you don't you don't spend that money. You don't need those. Those are unnecessary. You don't need to have, you know, the, the makings of a campaign rally uh, unless you think that this is the direction your story is going in. So I really don't believe that this was planned. I think this I think this came down to Jeannie being surprised, the writers being surprised, and it just is like I said, it'll be interesting to see. We've seen backlash like this sort of turned around before. And I don't know, Dan, maybe you remember better than I do. Um, a couple years ago, when uh, this was when Tony was still on the show, and uh, the story had Laura coming home briefly, and, and uh, Luke was married to Tracy, and they played like a little bit of a, you know, sort of a little bit of triangle with that. 
do you remember if at that time Jeannie was on contract or not? I don't think she was. I think that was a sort of a, a limited visit. I, I don't believe that she was. It's funny because I was actually looking uh, at her history with the show when I was writing about the latest news of her, her being dropped. And it, normally in my copious notes, I actually I just Instagrammed something I found <laughs> in an old folder. Uh, the telephone name of the telephone company in Pine Valley that I wrote on a piece of paper during a 1998 recap that I was writing and somehow it ended up in a in a folder that I found so I say that to point out that if it were contract I would have had it in my notes and I I didn't find it but you know the thing that always gets me and I had this discussion on Twitter with a bunch of folks um, about contract versus recurring and there have been plenty of people in the history of daytime, recent history. Ironically, I think they've almost all been women. That might be something to explore. Who've been on recurring status and have appeared on screen more often than people who've been on contract. A lot of it was basically it was at the, the performer's request so they could do other things or spend time with their kids. Um, Tracy Bregman is an example that comes out first in my head for – years, years and years and years and years, she was recurring on The Young and the Restless, even though, I mean, if you went by screen time, you wouldn't have known it. And that was because she wanted to have the flexibility to to raise her kids. So the in and of itself, you know, the recurring, I, I think that there's a there can be a hang up there because typically it, and I actually was taken to task as well for recurring for saying at one point that someone was fired and someone, actually a large group of fans, came and said, you know, oh, no, person wasn't fired. They're still recurring, so they're still on the show. They weren't fired. A lot of it is semantics. A lot of it is, you know, is a hang-up on certain things. And I think, uh, you know, if, if they had said, listen, Jeannie, we can't have you on contract for whatever reason, but we'd love to have you recur, and we'd love to have you on every week, maybe a couple of times, blah, 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 whatever. You know, like, that wouldn't. I don't know that that wouldn't have been as bad because then you're saying, hey, listen, there's something going on here. This is all speculation on my part for people if you just tuned in um, who are saying, hey, you know, there's something going on. We still want to have you. Maybe we can't have you on contract for whatever reason, but no one's going to know it because you're going to be on here all the time. Like that would be a fine thing. Um, this is completely compounded right. are, because this is someone who's been iconic. There are many actors currently on screen, who you wouldn't even know are recurring. Uh, you know, the, 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 that's a very common thing. And there's actually an argument to be made that if an actor is flexible enough with a show to sort of say, you know, yeah, I'm available. Just, you know, let me know. Let's work it out. Let's say, you know, I'm going to do, let's say I'm going to be recurring and I'm going to be heavily recurring for the next six weeks and then I'll know not to plan anything. There are ways to work that out. I mean, look at, look at, look at Wally Kurth. Wally Kurth is recurring on two shows. Uh, Good for him. So it's not at all, it's not at all uncommon. What's also interesting is some shows, and when you say semantics, you're completely right because some shows love to say that a character is recurring if they occur if they if they appear once a year. Bold and Beautiful is known for this. You know yep. if you ask Bold and the Beautiful, they would say that uh um oh God, who's the one who plays Kristen? Uh it, oh Tracy Melfi? Yes. 
they would probably say Tracy Melchior is, is recurring because, you know, she might pop up at a wedding once a year. Or, you know, they, <laughs> they, they love to say that actors are recurring uh, because it's easier because it, it's, it's semantics, but it's also a way to sort of calm the beast that can be soap fan. But in this case, this was yeah. just not not good. Not not. not and I also there's and, something and, else that came up that I will admit that I'm guilty of because it's just for the sake of of convenience and time saving. Uh, you know, when I do a lot of the tweets scheduled for the week on the Soap Central Twitter account. I will set a lot of them up when I'm working over the course of the weekend because I know what's going to happen, you know, give or take on each day's show based upon information that's given to us so that I can, you know, do a a tweet that says, hey, coming up today, so-and-so does such-and-such and and put that out there and I can schedule it ahead of time so that it doesn't give anything away, but that there's – uh, a reminder for fans to tune at the beginning of the show or for our commentary, the two scoops that are posted, you know, I'll take different things that are in the column and I'll have them scheduled throughout the week to make it be relevant to what's going on with the show. So people can go and read them. So uh, that's been done. There've been times where I've accidentally put in the wrong date uh, and something's gone out that seems tone deaf based upon uh putting in the wrong date and it comes up at the wrong time. You're like, ah, crap, shouldn't have done that. You know, look, sending something today, for example, that says, do you think Andre on Days of Our Lives is going to be uh, a good dancer at the Valentine's Day ball? And you're like, <laughs> well, you know, dumbass, he's dead. Um, and, and this is just to point something out. Everyone can draw their own conclusions. Uh, five hours ago on Twitter, a post came out from Frank Valentini's account that said, Laura has big news, exclamation point, at Jeannie Francis, at General Hospital, hashtag GH. Uh, and I, so I am assuming for the sake of – this isn't in any way a defense. I'm assuming that all of these are set up probably when he knows that – uh, which shows are airing on what days because they're not necessarily specific. Either he or a minion uh, sets up all of the tweets probably to go out a month in advance or a week in advance and, and they're done and, and set and you forget about them and you don't know, oh, crap, I should go back and delete something. So anyway, that tweet went wow. out today. You know, I have to say you – I have to say you're a lot more generous and uh, with your wow. – uh, I I do understand it. I understand what you're saying because I know you do that. I I don't do that. You know, um, I think our website people do and, you know, I'm not really involved with our website, so I don't know. But I know you do that. We've talked about it before. Um, So maybe you're right. And I I would actually hope that's true because otherwise it does indicate a level of tone deafness that just, wow. Absolutely. I am hoping so, Um, you know, or it wasn't scheduled over the weekend when he didn't know. Because there's only two options. It was either scheduled in advance or it's incredibly insulting and tone deaf. Um, As you can expect, um, most people are leaning towards the, this is incredibly tone deaf. And again, um, you should have deleted it, whatever. It came out. And all of the posts, nearly of all of the ones that I read, there's currently 450 replies, all the ones that I read, basically said, you know, are you serious? Are you kidding? Uh, You know, you had the nerve to post this and a whole bunch of other things that probably aren't uh, 
shouldn't be said on your show, so I don't give you a, an NA17 rating or something. Um, I mean, I don't know. It just, like I said, uh, I'm, I'm hoping it was one of the, the same things where I've made the mistake and sent stuff off and then forgot to go in and delete it. Uh, because otherwise, I mean, not only have you gotten rid of someone and that looks bad. Now you're really now, now we're at salt in the wound kind of thing, and it, it just doesn't look good. If anything, um, a response should come out and go, "Hey, you know what? Set this out three weeks ago. Oops. Um, I don't know. It, it, there, there's really no way around from it now because now it just looks twice as bad. And uh, on yeah, the plus I, I don't side, know. the whole thing's bad. On the plus side, somewhere. Donald Trump is saying, hey, I'm not the most hated man on Twitter today. <laughs> is, that what, is that what he's saying? Uh, yeah, I'm, he actually I'm sent that sure. out. He sent that out and directed people to Frank's account. <laughs> he, was like, he was like, hey, enough, enough. I know the government shut down and, you know, whatever. But look, they fired Jeannie Francis. Go over there. Go hate them. That would actually be one of the funniest tweets in the history of life. Like, if whoever does his tweets, that would actually be really, really funny. I don't know how that would be, you know, perceived by the, the masses at large, but I would get that would be one of the funniest things I think I would ever see on, on Twitter if someone, you know, posted that from the, the POTUS account. Uh, I don't know. I just, the whole thing is. Like I said, the whole thing is bad. It just it shows a lack of a lack of compassion, a lack of respect. Um, the fact that there are a lot of rumors going around. I'm sure you've seen it because I saw you you put a very uh, tersely worded tweet today, telling people, "Hey, keep your negative stuff away from tweeting us and actors' names." Uh, but um, Oh, I don't know. It's it's just uh, you know people have their speculation. Now they're blaming certain performers for certain things and saying that if it weren't for X, it, you know, Jeannie Francis would still be on. Nothing has been confirmed. You know, it never really will be because the the show will issue the the same statement of we don't com, uh, comment on contracts. I, you know, like I, I'm just trying to think if there would have been uh, any way to to have this make sense. The only way it would have made sense is if they had offered her a contract, if they'd offered Jeannie Francis a contract and she said, you know what, I don't think I want to commit to another year. I want to travel the world or I want to just sit at home and do nothing. Then it would have been different. Or even if you know, they had we, offered we, her a contract yeah. and she said, even if they offered her a contract and she said, you know, I want more money, you know, then it's an understandable thing. Then it's an understandable But that'll thing. never come out though. But, like, well, we would, no one would ever say that. So that, that makes it worse as well, true. sort of the secrecy. Although, you know what, uh, it, it I, just... I, disagree with you on, I disagree with you on that. You know why? Look at William DeVry's contract negotiation. That was pretty kind of transparent. He was out there, and he pretty much said – I mean, he never said the word money, but he pretty much said, you know, we're working toward terms. We're trying to find a middle ground, blah, blah, blah. I mean, he was, he was pretty transparent in, in his uh, – he was very honest with the audience that the negotiations were still going on and that – you know, he appreciated their support, that kind of thing. For those of you who are just joining us, um, first of all, we're Hello. Finn. We started at 7 o'clock, and that's when <laughs> class starts. Um, but uh, the other person on the other end of this line, and this has become sort of a little, you know, once-a-month ritual or so that I enjoy, and I certainly hope you do, is Dan Kroll, the creator and webmaster and tweetmaster 
of SoapCentral.com and my very good frenemy. Um, the other thing that I had planned on talking about, and uh, I'm glad to have you here because I'll like to get your opinion. I was sort of considering this sort of a State of the Union, State of the Soap Union episode, This is which I had planned before the Jeannie Francis thing. But what's interesting is today's episodes of at least three of the four shows, I have not fully watched days yet, so I can't comment on that, but three of the four episodes today were great examples of – in my mind, all three of the shows putting something forward that they do really well and putting something forward that is problematic. Um, with mm-hmm. General Hospital, Jeannie was a great example of that. You know, like like here we have this great episode with lots of Jeannie Francis stuff. And, and I think, generally speaking, General Hospital has really been on fire lately. But at the same time, the bad thing was, you know, we had this, this Jeannie Francis thing. With The Bold and the Beautiful, um, you know, this this the show gets into ruts where it is very, very one note. And if you don't care about that one note or that one story, there's not a lot there for you. But even when they're playing a one note story, if there's one thing that B and B does really well, it's play beats and build up to them. You and I were talking about this um privately last week that we knew on Friday how this next few days would play out. You know, Thursday, um um you know Thursday ended with Steffi telling Ridge. Friday was all about, uh, uh, no, Friday ended with Steffi telling Ridge that she had slept with Bill. And you knew that today's episode would be all about building up to the big moment where Bill and Ridge uh, finally were in each other's uh, spheres, which is where today's episode ended, which means, you know, tomorrow you're going to get this great confrontation. Mm -hmm. Even if you were bored with the story itself, even if you didn't give a crap about all of the Liam-Steffi stuff and Liam's, and, and even if, Steffi sleeping with Bill made no sense to you whatsoever, much like it made no sense to me. They know how to play beats, and they know how to parse them out, and they know how to play it out. So that's something that they do really well. Y&R. Y&R is great at family stuff. The, the stuff with Dina has been amazing. So that's, that's something yeah. that, you know, today's episode really focused on them doing well. And yet, and this has happened quite a bit lately, all of a sudden we're rushing Dina off the canvas and sending her to live with with Abby of all people, you know, like like the the, the responsible adults in the Abbott family can't control Dina. What are we going to do? We're going to send her to go live with Abby of all people. Uh, you know, it's, all of a sudden this story is being rushed to an end, just like we rushed Juliet to an end, just like we rushed to put Lane, uh, Kane, and Lily together. And the other thing that's really not working for the show, in my opinion, is this new day, new episode thing, or new episode, new day. Yeah. Because at the end of Friday's episode, we got that great moment where Mariah heard Tessa sing her song and started going off on her, and that was where it ended. People tuned in today wanting to see more of that. They wanted yes. to see. They wanted to hear how Tessa defends herself. And what did we get? Well, it's a new day. No. So we had Mariah explaining her side of the story to uh, what to Devon and Hillary or, uh, and 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 Tessa explaining her side of the story, but we didn't get what we were really there for, which was to see these two women play out this moment that we had build, been building up to. So I yeah. feel like all of the shows are doing some things really well right now, and other things not so well. And that's my take, and I'm sticking to it. Well, as with any state of the union, you have to have someone who's smart and talented on the other side to say what the other person just said that was so wrong and terrible. Um, so that's why I'm here, I guess. Oh, uh, am, no. I, am I bringing somebody on? 
Am I bringing somebody else home? <laughs> Whatever. Uh, no, it's funny. A lot of, of what you said is, is, is absolutely true, which is very difficult for a rebuttal. Um, it was a really good – go to the young and the restless. You're, you're right. This is a really good example of why the new day every day, every episode doesn't always work. And I think uh, you can correct me or someone on Twitter can send so if, it's, if I'm wrong. I think they've only done one kind of not new day, new episode thing since they've started it where they started something off – I can't even remember what it was now – at the top of the show where they did the – before the credits, the opening credits, they did a pickup of where they were. And then after the credits, it was the new day. Uh, I can't remember what that was. But anyway – Yeah, that's the only, uh, it, it, I only remember that once too. And, and I'm trying to remember what it was because I remember it very specifically. You're right. We did pick it up, and I thought, oh, that's good. And then after the credits, they did the shot with the sun coming up over Genoa City. And yeah. I, I remember that as well, but I can't remember exactly what the – what what it was that sort of demanded that that pickup? Twitter, get on it. Tweet out. Let us know what it is because that way we'll we'll try to get it live and we can make ourselves sound like we know what we're talking about while we're still in the air. But I think that that's that's a prime example. Um, it, it's interesting that I wasn't I wasn't as bothered by the uh, Dina heading off to Paris with Abby in the same way that you were. I guess I will be when Dina comes back into town naked on a horse. Um, ooh, but, um, yeah, that'll be, that's sweet. Haven't we all? <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? Um, I, I think that the part that I appreciated, I, I was listening to the other part of, oh, well, you know, she considers Paris her home. I'm thinking, oh, maybe that'll be a comfortable surroundings for her. Uh, I didn't really think too much about the irresponsibility of Abby because as soon as you mentioned it on the Twitter machine on the screen, they were making the point of saying that the housekeepers were all involved. The physician was coming back into play. They were looking for a full-time care keeper. So that didn't bother me nearly as, as much as you. I was sort of, uh, I was more troubled, I guess, by the fact that Dina was rushing off. I'm still sort of troubled as another example, well, and I think I missed the date because I, mean, I had the thing that really The thing that really bothers me is not necessarily that she's going with Abby, although that is just silly. Why did we invest in all of this? Why did we invest in this entire thing? Why was Graham's story rushed? Graham was well, that, a great little villain. I was going to mention Graham, that. There was, yeah. There was just – you know, Graham was a great little villain who we had lots of – you know, there, there was just – potential for tons of turmoil within the Abbott family. I mean, move him into the mansion, turn their lives upside down, and instead he somehow is overpowered by like this 76-pound woman and how is there even a question as to how he died when he had latex gloves on? I mean, how do the police not immediately say, oh, well, I think I see what's going on here? It just... It just it made no sense to me that we rushed this story to a conclusion after we invested all this time in it. I agree with that, and I think, too, again, another example of the New Day, New Episode thing where it doesn't always work is when you end an episode with Dina saying, I'm his wife, I'm power of attorney, you know, remove the life support. Um, that's a great dramatic cliffhanger, but for some of these things, you're going to want it to pick up exactly where it left off, even if it's only for – uh, half of the episode. I, I really think that the Mariah Tessa thing was a good example, and it's funny 
Because I, even though I, I know that it's this New Day, New Episode thing, there's still the part of me that's been conditioned for so long that we're going to pick up where a Friday cliffhanger leaves off that I made a point. I, I was outside somewhere, and I made a point of busting my butt to get in to get in front of the television right when YNR started because I wanted to see the continuation of the, of the argument. And then as it was playing out, I think, Ah, that's right. New day, new episode. Uh, actually, I actually went first... to Soap Central. I actually went to Soap Central and checked the recap from Friday's episode because I wanted to make sure I hadn't missed an episode. Um, well, you know, I, I literally say, I did. did. I literally thing. thought because I was just about to tweet something saying, "Geez, I really can't believe they didn't show the rest of this argument." And then I thought, well, you know what? I sometimes forget to watch an episode, and I don't want to sound stupid because uh, I do that enough on my own as it is. And so I went and I checked your, checked the recaps to see, you know, and yeah, sure enough, that's where Friday ended. So how do we not pick that up today? And I was just, I was, I was very frustrated by that because I imagine that for viewers who aren't as savvy as any viewers who you and I would be conversa- conversing with, conversating, who we'd be conversating Ooh. with. You know, they know us. They 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 follow us. They interact with us. They know that they are aware because we keep them aware of this sort of new day, new new epi- new day, new episode thing or new episode, new day. I keep getting it backwards. Hopefully, they get it straight. But but a lot. I can see a lot of viewers tuning in and being like, "Wait, did I miss something?" And that's yeah. very frustrating for them. Uh, and as we're talking just to show you the way that my mind operates on my Twitter feed came through this North Carolina donut eating champion is arrested again, accused of breaking into Dunkin' Donuts. So, um, I, I do say not all live of that. in North Carolina. Fake news, <laughs> fake news, fake news, fake news. It's just to show you what the, what goes on on my, my Twitter feed. Um, but I, I don't know. It's, I'm not opposed to the new day, everyday episode. Uh, at all. I think it's been interesting. It's been fascinating. I wonder if part of it is I've been trying to figure out how they're going to, you know, on some of these days, pick up the next day. Some of the episodes aren't really uh, ending with a major cliffhanger, so it's not so much of a a big deal, I guess. You know, uh, uh, JT and Victoria having sex on a staircase, and they just pick up the next day. That That's not such a big deal. Um, but there's just been some, some, a couple of moments, I think, where there were these missed opportunities to at least, at the very least, use the first part of the show to pick up to be able to continue it and then go into the next day. I don't think that that is, is backing down from your conviction to try to do something different. There is also the part that I'd love to get folks on Twitter to weigh in on this would be, you know, is this going to be something that we just need to be patient with and go for however many years we've been conditioned that it could be the same day on a soap for the whole year? Uh, it, it just seems that way. You know, up until March, there's still the day after New Year's, and then all of a sudden it's Memorial Day. Uh, I'm wondering if if it's going to be a, a hard sell for Mal Young to be able to do this new format, knowing that we've been conditioned for all of these decades of it being a completely different way. Does that sort of condemn it to failure from the beginning because it's something new and we don't want something new or do you, will we be run, uh, run over? That's probably a Freudian slip. (laughs) Will we be won over and will we see other shows that decide to do this? Um, it would be it'd be interesting. I, I was thinking about Port Charles earlier today for whatever reason. Um, 
because uh, I think that you know what they did with the telenovela t- uh, style format with those little books. I still think that that was a good thing. Uh, I don't know if it was wrong place, wrong time. Um, you know, I, so I like that. I sort of like aspects of the Y&R thing with the New Day every episode, but I also don't mind in some cases where an event like a big party goes on for a couple of days if there's a whole lot going on. I don't know. Is there a, is there a way to mesh that together? If so, I think The Young and the Restless would really be on to something. And I agree. I think that there is. I don't have a problem with New Day, New Episode, as long as you don't make it something that takes away the fundamental you know, what is what is sort of the heart of soap opera, which is tune in tomorrow. Cliffhangers are a huge part of that. And when you when you air a cliffhanger, the whole point is we want to see what happens next. If you skip over what happens next, you're failing. Imagine if, you know, today's Bold and the Beautiful ended with Ridge barging into Bill's office and them having their stare down and, you know, we I immediately was like, I can't wait to see tomorrow's episode because I can't wait to see the confrontation. Mm-hmm. Well, imagine if we tune in tomorrow and we instead see Bill sitting there bloodied and we hear Ridge telling Liam, oh yeah, we really mixed it up. You know, that's not how soap operas work. It's it's a medium where we we should be at the end of every episode dying to see what happens next and and but the and, and we're willing to do that. We're willing to let you tease us like that. But the the uh, your part of the agreement is that when we tune in the next day, you're going to give us the payoff. You're going to show us, you know, what we what we so eagerly anticipated. But to that is is a good question as well to, to sort of change it over to the bold and the beautiful. I agree that you're right in that the bold and the beautiful really does a great job of building that suspense and sort of getting to a payoff. However, you know, is there a problem in that a week or more at some time can be all the same day leading up to the same event? I think when the reveal about Bill uh, sleeping with Steffi, I think that started on a Friday when Liam found the paper, the paternity test in Steffi's purse when he was looking for her phone. Uh huh. Sure. Um, by Monday, uh, they were still talking. I don't think it was until the Tuesday that she revealed that she'd slept with Bill. And then, you know, and we're still, I don't know how many days, uh, because that that will show you. Uh, It's been a while, but I don't know how many days have allegedly passed. And somehow, you know, Ridge found out about this last week, and he's still finding out about it today. And then we have to wait another day. For him to to allegedly, hypothetically, well, it was in their preview. He's going to punch Bill in the face. It was in their the B and B preview, so I'm not spoiling anything. Um, you know, like is that always a good thing? I don't mind the suspense. I don't mind the build. Uh, I don't need everything to happen immediately in the course of one episode. But is there also a point where you say, hey, not only are you you building this suspense, but you're also only having on an A story. You know, one single story for a couple of weeks at a time. In my opinion, you know, I while I'm enjoying it, and it's it's tough to say. Well, let's fiddle with the format. I kind of do wish that the bold and the beautiful did have something else on during the episodes. I worry though that it would it would kill the the flow and the pace of the episode. But there is that bit of if someone doesn't like Steffi and Liam as a couple. Are they maybe not tuning in for the last two weeks because that's really been the only major story on there? 
Um, then I would argue, well, are my, they really a fan of the bold and the beautiful? I don't know. It's a weird question. I would say that is my biggest complaint with the bold and the beautiful. Uh, it 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 is it far too often becomes a one story show, and you know it, you say if you're not a fan of that couple, are you a fan of the bold and the beautiful? Well, yes, because we all watch soaps where. We like a lot of the characters, but we may not like all of them. You know, there's a story that we fast forward through or whatever. That doesn't mean that we're not a fan of the show. It just means we're not a fan of that particular story. And on a traditional soap, that's not a problem because there's other stories going on. But here's a great example. Um, You know, we've been so focused on this Liam Steppy story and to a lesser degree the Brooke um, Thorne uh, Ridge story that the and this this stuns me. This this like I this is a level of of you know, I don't even know the word. Where's Sheila? Last we saw Sheila, Sheila was sitting at El Giordano or whatever it is, you know, trading lemon bar recipes with Pam, the greatest villainess in daytime television history, came to town, had Mateo, a you know a cute masseuse, do her dirty work, was booted from the mansion. And did sort of like, you know, the raised eyebrow and the cackle, I'll be back kind of thing. And then went back to work at, at the restaurant earning tips. Where, you know, if, if it, in the middle of all of this Liam Steffi uh, Bill stuff, why not, you know, be building a second story? We, you know, if you've ever read, there's a great book out there. If you ever want to read a really good book on soaps, kids. Um, there's a book called Eight Years in Another World written by Harding LeMay, and it's about his experience. He had no experience in daytime writing, and he basically was hired to write Another World and spent eight years doing it. Um, it was considered one of the greatest ten years uh, of a writer in daytime history. And he, as well as Agnes Nixon and, and many other writers, have always explained that the key to, to soap opera writing is to basically think of your canvas as a stovetop. And you have a front burner where your current big storyline is, and then you have two back burners where there's a story that's starting to percolate and a story that was percolating and is starting to wrap up. And you keep those in constant rotation, and that's sort of the key to writing uh, you know, a, a successful daytime drama. And The Bold and the Beautiful forgets about those other two burners for weeks at a time. And if you aren't interested in the story on the front burner, you're right. There's nothing there because you, know, you were asking – would it slow down the momentum of that A story if you cut to a B story? I would argue that you slow the momentum of the entire show when you cut from the A story to people talking about the A story. You know, when you cut from Steffi and Liam to Brooke and Ridge talking about Steffi and Liam. That's that's just that's exposition that maybe you should air on a different day than the day that the conversation is actually happening. So I don't know. For me, that's 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 sort of a big. If I had one complaint with The Bold and the Beautiful, and I guess I really do because I love the show, I really only have the one complaint for the most part, is its its seeming inability to long-term tell more than one story at a time. I want to address the opinion on it. Oh, go ahead. I was going to quick toss in with an aside you asked about uh, Sheila. I'm wondering, and I would assume that there would have been some discussion ahead of time, I'm wondering, though, if Kimberlyn Brown's decision to run for Congress – has impacted any way of that story because I don't know, I don't know how the election laws apply. If they were giving Kimberlyn Brown airtime on the Bold and the Beautiful, even though it wouldn't be for political gain per se with messages, I'm wondering if 
they had to make a decision not to have her on the show because of her plans to run for Congress. That's just a, a oh, we can ask B and B. Quite possibly, but even if that were the case, then you write an episode where she leaves town, you know, and you explain that, you know, whether she's going off to, you know, gather her wicked plot or whether she's just given up. You write her off. You don't just leave this character hanging out as a waitress, you know, in the background. Here's a question I had. Um, someone Uh-oh. in the chat room um, was talking, we're going back to the general hospital situation, and they said, uh, uh, until the show, I'm going to say the show, they didn't say the show, until the show decides that the story should revolve around characters that have been on the show for longer than Frank's tenure on the show, it's not going to get better. Meaning, basically, they believe that veterans are being pushed aside for actors like, you know, Michael East and Michelle Stafford, people who came on under um, both Ron and Frank. And I'm going to argue that, that that is not true, based on the fact that the other argument that people make about the show, which is that Sonny and Carly and Jason are, you know, they, they take over the show and they run the whole show and blah, 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 and that they're, they're the only people who get good story. And those characters have certainly been along for much longer than, than either Ron or Frank have been around. So to me, that feels like sort of an interesting argument, but not necessarily one that has, um, that's supported by, by the facts of the show. Would you agree? Well, one of the, certain things make me bristle when I hear them, and I think, uh-oh, I wonder if this person knows what they just said or if they're so in the moment that they've said something. Uh, on more than one occasion, I've heard Frank Valentini refer to Laura Wright and Maurice Bernard as the stars of General Hospital. The stars of and the then, show, yes, I agree. And then saying, and the, and the rest of the cast. Now – Here's the thing. Perception is, is one thing. Fact is another. You know, if, if people are seeing that they're the most prominent characters and perhaps they drive much of the story, I can I mean, like I, I would say that Susan Lucci, Erica Kane had her picture, you know, last and first on the All My Children credits. I would say that if people wanted to, they would have said that Erica Kane or Susan Lucci was the star of All My Children. I don't know that I've ever heard anyone associated with the show say that uh people will assume it i've certainly have never heard susan lucci ever say that she was the star she always refers to the collective so again whether that's a a slip whether it's a reality whatever the case is you've now put that out into the universe where people are saying ah he sees these two particular performers as the stars of the show and then anything that happens as a result of that now becomes reality based on something that was put out there. It could have been an unfortunate slip a couple of times, I guess. Uh, I don't think so. Um, but that's the thing that leads to this, this perception. Uh, it was very much many moons ago, I guess, under Guza, where people were saying, oh my gosh, it's mob, 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 mob. I'm tired of the mob. Then the show sort of took an about face from that, I think still when Ron was there, um, and they didn't really have a whole heavy focus on the mob. And I heard from a lot of people who were happy about that. I did see in an interview uh, or a report that Maurice Bernard may not have been happy with the fact that Sonny had been, you know, sort of tamed and it looked as though he wasn't being his gangster self. Um, And now we've, Ron isn't there anymore. He's over working magic at days. And now we have a shift in the pendulum back to having a lot more mobby related stuff on 
GH. Uh, it could just be, you know, to sort of bring in the current story with Steve Burton returning. You know, maybe you needed to return to some of that to sort of explain where he was and, and bring the story. I get that part. But, you know, a lot of people aren't happy with that. And I think that when people are upset that someone isn't being seen and you have a huge cast, it's not a perception issue. General Hospital really does have a large cast. And you have to look at it. You've said it numerous times, either on this show or on my show or when we've been talking elsewhere, even in public. When you have so many people that you have to wait a month or so before you can mm -hmm. bring that person back in, that's a problem. I, now, and that isn't to put it to any one particular performer to say that one should be there and one isn't. I'm looking at it just from the perspective, no matter who it is, is if you can't. Uh, if you can't adequately tell a story with all of the people that you have, and this isn't you know giving someone downtime because they just had a big front burner story, this is sort of a, an overall generalization thing. If you can't use all of the people that you have consistently in story, you have too many people and you need to get rid of some people. I would agree. Although I'm gonna I'm gonna backtrack a little bit on something you said, and I'm gonna just uh -oh. I'm gonna. I don't know if it's really disagree. I agree, and yet I bristle. <laughs> um, you were saying that, you know, we're back to seeing more mob stuff now. I have been one of the strongest voices saying, you know, I wanted Sonny out of the mob. Get him out of the mob. Get him out of the mob. For a brief minute there, you know, a year ago, it looked like they were going to do that. Then they went right back and charged full in. But I will say this. I am enjoying this I, this version of Sonny and the Mob more than I have in a long time for a couple of reasons. One, it's not focused on mob violence. You know, like like Sonny and Carly actually have story. It is not just Sonny and Carly. You know, Sonny's in the Mob and Carly supports him. It's they are involved in a lot of other stories. They're involved in Nell's story. They're involved in, in all of this stuff with Jason and Sam and Drew and. And, and it's, it's very, very, very low on the mob scale as far as how much of the show is actually about the mob. But the other thing I like is, and it started about two weeks ago, um, they have started actually showing Sonny as a mobster. You know, we always joke, what does Sonny do that's illegal? Mm -hmm. He doesn't do drugs and he doesn't do prostitution. So clearly he's selling like illegal, you know, illegal gummy bears. That's been our long running joke. <laughs> but they actually showed that, no, he is in the intimidation business. And, and we're going to continue seeing more of that. We're going to see, you know, not just Sonny as the heart of gold mobster who, you know, I don't know, helps children across the street and is the friend of little old ladies or vice versa. But we're seeing the, the actual illegal aspects of who Sonny is and what he does. And, and I like that we're exploring that, but it's not necessarily, you know, uh, you know oh, is someone going to try and kill Sonny? Because we all know Sonny's not going to die. We know that, you know, a mob war is not interesting to me because I know that Sonny is going to win it. But when you have Sonny doing things like this that are sort of letting him, you know, they're letting Maurice do that sort of charmingly evil thing that he sometimes plays. Like some of his stuff with, with Julian has been really very taunting, and I really enjoy that. And I enjoy seeing Julian and, and, and Sonny, you know, at odds. 
So even though it's mob stuff, it's not the same old mob stuff that I feel like we saw a thousand times with, you know, who's going to take a hit out on who and all that. And I'm actually, I'm actually enjoying this version of Sonny and Carly where the mob is still very much a part of their life, but they're playing in a million other stories at the same time. You're entitled to be wrong. It's okay. <laughs> no, it's yeah. interesting. Yeah. <laughs> when you say that, it yeah. is it is true in that there's been some bits and pieces. Like as much as the meddling part may annoy people, there was a part of me that enjoyed that they had Carly, you know, sort of trying to get Jason back into his old life. Um because again, that wasn't arguing over the mob stuff. It wasn't I don't know. It, it wasn't really repetitive. It was also uh, very so true I guess to that who was Carly re- is. Absolutely. It was also very, very true to who Carly is. Carly loves Jason, believes that Jason belongs with Sam, and and that is exactly what she would do. She would manipulate a situation. And when you have characters act in character, you know, th- that is good stuff to me. When I understand why a character is doing what they're doing, that's that's when I enjoy a soap. When I'm looking at a show or a storyline and I don't understand why they're doing what they're doing, if the characters' actions do not feel natural, um, you know, I feel that way a little bit with, like, for example, we were talking about YNR, um, JT, and Victoria earlier. I don't buy that Victoria would just bring JT back into her house. I don't believe that she would, without talking to Reed, who's having a lot of issues right now and who is a very troubled kid, I don't believe that Mm -hmm. she would basically move him in without even asking, you know, without sitting down and talking to her children. It just, that is not something that Victoria would do. Victoria is very buttoned up and very by the books. And all of a sudden, just because she's getting some good loving from JT and, you know, they're stripping their clothes off everywhere, I just don't believe that she would do that or that she would constantly be having sex on the couch and on the stairs, knowing that she has children who would walk in at any time. That is not Victoria. So that bothers me. Carly butting into Jason's What about life, Sharon moving that's in? very... What about... What about Sharon moving in a bunch of homeless people to her ho- to her house? That didn't. That weirdly did not bother me, because uh, really, I, I feel like there's. Um, I feel like the reason it didn't bother me was they've been playing because Sharon crazy? as sort of. Uh, no, I don't feel like this was Sharon being crazy though. I feel like yes, it was impulsive. Yes, it was probably impetuous, um, which are you know. People who have the kind of issues that Sharon has had in the past, the sort of instability, the sort of craziness, I don't mind seeing them played as sane, but with still some of those characteristics. You know, like, like your, your basic behavior doesn't completely change. And, and this was her doing something good. It was her being very caring. I don't know. I mean, I get why it's a bad thing to do, and I get why people might be like, why would she do that? But it also didn't terribly bother me. Hold on one second, Dan. Um, those of you who are listening to the live feed are going to lose the show in a second. Um, we're going to continue and wrap up our conversation here for a few more minutes. Um, but if, you, if, you're, if you're listening in the archive, you don't have to do anything. Just keep on listening. But if you're listening um, elsewhere, you might want to dial in to the show to hear um, us as we finish our discussion here. Uh, otherwise, as you know, I'm Richard Sims from Soaps in Depth, and Dan Kroll from Soap Central is my guest tonight. We're going to continue our conversation. If you're listening in the archive, don't worry. But for those of you listening live, you're going to lose us. Go ahead, Dan. What were you going to say? Goodbye. 
<laughs> Why people listening live? <laughs> I feel so sad for them. We never like the live from all of our. We never. It reminds me of a routine. Paula Poundstone does this hysterical routine where she's talking about flying, and she's like, "I don't understand why the captain comes on and tells people you can see things out of the left side of the plane because it's totally like rude to the people on the right side of the plane." And she does this great thing where she's pretending to be the captain, and she's like, "People on the left side of the plane, you're the best people." People on the right side of the plane, (laughs) and that's sort of how I feel right now. Like you know. Posting in the archives. We love you. You're about to get special, special stuff that we saved specifically because we hate the people who listen live. Oh well, no, we like everyone who tunes in and 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 listens to our our craziness. I think for me, the thing that bothered me most, and I know we've gotten a bit off the track, the thing that bothered me most is that Sharon moved strangers into her home. I don't care. Who they were. I don't care if they were billionaires or whether they were homeless. I just, I just, I've been so instilled with stranger danger. I just, I, <laughs> there's a part of me that did actually you have wishes the same, that these people were scammers. Did you have the same issue when Nikki moved Tessa in? I did. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Because um, okay. at, that, at that particular point in time, I didn't care for Tessa. I thought she was sneaky and up to something. And I thought it was – I can go back and find my tweets. I thought it was one of the most ridiculous decisions anyone could ever make to just bring someone in just because. And they haven't done it because I think that there, there's a, a social element uh, that they're going for, sort of a commentary on, on society. But there's the part of me – Although I still don't know, I still don't trust Tessa 100%. There's still something about her that just doesn't add up. I hope we find out what it is because I would hate to have disliked her all this time and find out that she's a saint. But um, well, one thing I that really doesn't like, would, make a lot of sense is she's she's clearly not very smart. I mean, if she thought that she could lift those lyrics and no one would notice, like Mariah wouldn't. Like I did not understand that at all. I did not understand. Did she really think that she was going to have this hit song and Mariah wouldn't listen to it and be like, hey? I hear my voice in my head. How can that be? Like, that made no sense to me whatsoever. Yeah, I kind of wondered about that, too. I did post something on Twitter asking fans if they um, if they had a chance, if someone were reading their bits of their journal and put them out there, would they recognize them? The difference with that I wasn't thinking at the time is that Mariah's stuff is all current. It's all within the last couple of weeks, so of course it should, she should still remember it. But I'm trying to think, if somebody read something from my 2006 journal entry, would I remember that I wrote it? Maybe word choice, maybe it would sound familiar. I don't necessarily know <gasps> there. You should but... send me your 2006 journal, and, I'll, <laughs> I'll read, and I will read three things. Two will be from my journal, and one will be from yours, and we'll see if you can pick out which one is yours. No, better yet, I'll do one from mine, one from Charlie, one from Gary, and one from you, and we'll see if you can figure out which one is yours. It's like the Pepsi challenge. <laughs> That's great. Oh, my goodness. Uh, let me to go back to this, because I know there's a point in here somewhere. There's a part of me that would love for this woman and her two kids to just come across as just the sweetest, and the most appreciative of their stuff, and then to completely do become squatters and and take over Sharon's place. Like I would love, I love to see that. something sneaky happen. I, I don't. I get it. Like I said, it's a social commentary, and I understand there's something going on there. And and to do that would probably ruin the whole point that they're they're trying to make. 
However, I would love for some, I would love to have someone use that against Sharon to take her up as she was trying to do the right thing, and you know these people saw her as a mark, and apparently Nikki, because Nikki says it's all right to do it too, because she saw the woman uh, and thought she was Catherine. Uh, you know, and it's whatever for the Christmas episode. But I would love to see someone use that and use it against Sharon because I hate to say it, that is also extremely current. If you want to do a current and top yeah. of the story, there are plenty of people who take advantage uh, of people. This is the second time that I think I've I've said something that may or may not be uh, contrary to what people want. Like there, I think that would be great to do something. I also, and you agreed, you know, having. Tessa really not be interested in Mariah would be a good thing because, you know, how many people who have uh, have wanted someone who, for whatever reason, couldn't return it. So say Tessa decides, you know what, that was a kiss, eh, you know, really not interested in, in, in women. Um, and now Mariah realizes that maybe she's always liked women and she can't have Tessa because Tessa's not interested. I'm, I'm just, you know, we've, we've dialed it back and I'm rewinding totally and keeboing it back. I mean, I think that just, is so relatable. I think that is so relatable because we're very used to on soaps when someone is attracted to someone, either A, it works out and they get together, or B, they don't get that person and they go psycho. But there is a third option, which is, you know, sort of the unrequited feeling that, that, all yep. of us have had. We've all had crushes on people who, you know, just do not return those feelings. And it's a very difficult thing to deal with. And it's especially difficult in a situation. It would be particularly poignant in a situation where yep. your first crush was on someone of the same sex. And so you're not only dealing with an unrequited, you know, the, the, the feelings of unrequited love, but you're also dealing with the fact that who it was for went completely against everything you ever thought about yourself. I, I agree. I think that would be just a lovely story, but I, I wonder this, you know, we're now doing Uh-oh. this story with, you know, we're, we're building toward, um, you know, Nikki has this idea that she wants to help the homeless and Nick is getting involved and blah, blah, blah. And I'm all for it. I'm all for social issues on this, but it seems a little weird. That, like suddenly everybody on the show is talking about this. And I, I'm, I feel like Wyanor doesn't have any actual story right now. You know, I feel like, you know, we've wrapped up our actual stories. We've suddenly reunited Lily and Kane out of the blue. We've suddenly, you know, killed off Graham and shuffled Dina off to, to Europe. And, and when I look at the canvas, I'm not seeing a lot of, you know, actual stories. I see lots of couples and lots of fun pairings and lots of dialogue and, and lots of, you know, like, like stuff. But I don't see an overall story, and that well, here's a good a way to bit. play that for folks who are now listening in the archives because we're no longer live. Although we're live technically, we're just not broadcasting live. Uh, before Richard and I actually talk about the reality of it, for you uh, fans who watch The Young and the Restless right now, quick off the top of your head, as of today, the time that you're listening to it, what do you think the big sweep stories on The Young and the Restless are going to be? Based on what's going on on the show right now, what's going to be the big story for February? Do that with uh, Days of Our Lives is easier because we've had a murder. Do that with The Bold and the Beautiful. What do you think the big sweep story are based on, okay, you've got fallout from Bill and Steffi sleeping together. We've got hope back. I mean, are we telegraphing it by there and saying, okay, well, hope is going to come in and, and she's going to get involved maybe with Liam and then. 
what, the Young and the Restless, you know, what do you think it's going to be? And uh, I will say that they, they shot down all of my ideas today because I figured that we would still be dealing with Dina, but now Dina has zipped away. Um, I was assuming that we would, up until a while ago, that maybe February would be the point where Lily and Kane finally get back together. Well, that sort of happened before, which I really we didn't have a chance to mention it. Really, really liked the episode with all the flashbacks, the Kane and Lily flashbacks. Loved I thought it. that was really Loved well it. crafted. I also liked. And that's a, um, I I also liked that we saw Lily and Kane come together. We saw them have sex. And then we saw them immediately, we saw Lily sort of pull back a little bit and be like, geez, am I making another mistake? Am I, you know, and and I think we're going to continue seeing that, which is exciting to me. I I am not a fan of of instant reunions, of just sweeping everything under the the rug. But, and again, I find this very relatable. I think it's extremely relatable to take someone back in a moment of passion and then sort of sit back and say, geez, you know, yep. nothing's really changed. And we haven't really addressed yep. the problem that was at the root here. I love that. I think if that's what's next for, for Lillian Kane, I'm, I'm all aboard because and, – and, and it's my fondest wish that we explore this through more scenes like the ones we had in their reunion episode where they actually have in-depth conversations about – the past, where things went wrong, what's good about them, what's bad about them, maybe even therapy. You know I'm a big advocate of, of, of soaps showing therapy. I think that would be an amazing little story to explore. Well, while you want them to have an in-depth discussion, I really think that they should discuss <laughs> the central uh, ideas and problems that they're having with their with their life. I think that that would be a much better much better way. Uh, I mean, I suppose they could digest all the thing that's happened, but eh, no, just kidding. Nobody just that. kidding. Nobody wants that. <laughs> Whatever. Oh just dear, kidding. here comes just the little, maniacal laugh. Look. Cue the oh, maniacal just, laugh. <laughs> just a little friendly fun. Uh, you know the show. But no, really, I mean the show. We really haven't. No, go ahead. No, I was going to say, you know, it's it's one of those things that uh, we're talking about. We've talked about three. We haven't gotten to days yet, which I suspect is where you're going with it. But I think with yeah. days, they're the easiest one to sort of figure out what their sweep story is, is going to be. Uh, you know, I, I think General Hospital probably would have been a mayoral campaign, but that is changed. I'm not entirely sure. I mean, you can sort of bits and pieces, but most of the stuff on General Hospital that uh, I think was exciting has already happened. I think a lot of the stuff, the big stuff that could have been sweepsy on The Young and the Restless has kind of already happened. The same with The the Bold and the Beautiful, the whole uh, confrontation. They could have kept until February the whole uh, reveal that Steffi and Bill had slept together and sort of gone the easy route of here's our sweeps. Sort of surprised bit. they didn't. Sort of surprised they didn't hold that for February. I mean, that's huge explosive stuff. That's the kind of stuff that, as we were talking about, people tune in for. You know, like, why would you not hold that? Now, Maybe I'm going to drop some really don't matter anymore. teasers. Well, Uh-oh. I think they do with some shows more than others. And I don't necessarily think that The Bold and the Beautiful is one that it's important with. But I'll drop some teasers here. General Hospital... Um, well, don't forget, we have, we're building toward a wedding. We now know that um, uh, Franklin Liz's wedding will be in February, but he's keeping this secret. So will it happen? Will it not? Who knows? But there is something very big and very unexpected coming up uh, during sweeps on General Hospital. Um, I, 
I, I found out about it accidentally, actually. Um, so, oh. but it's 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 something I just did not see coming and did not expect, and it should be very cool. Y&R is also heading towards something very unexpected, um, and I do not know what it means. It's character. It's character based. Um, someone on the show is going to be is going to do something very unexpected, and. Uh, I I have absolutely no clue what it actually, you know, what it means long-term. Is this a situation where a character is just doing something unexpected that makes no sense, or will it have some some bigger, grander purpose in the grand scheme of things? And, of course, the other thing, that the minute they rushed Dina out the door today, we immediately went back to the arbitration at Jabot. So that's going to mm-hmm. be a big thing heading into February is the battle for the for the you know the future of Jabot and control of it. And also we've seen hints over really the last few days. Me. What? I, was, I don't know what if the battle say? for Jabot. I, I don't know if the battle for Jabot was really riveting. I mean, it can it I was think, nasty. Like the, there was, were bits and pieces. But I don't know that that's a whole sweeps waiting to happen. I was more invested in Dina's story, honestly. Um, you know, and how, and I think the fact that, you know, one of the things that made the Jabot stuff so interesting was that Jack was sacrificing to help care for his mother and that Jack and Ashley were having these issues about how to deal with, you know, their out-of-control mother while trying to run a business at the same time. So I, Something I happened. agree. I'm... Something happened on Twitter that I thought was 100% telling uh, based upon what we have become accustomed to. The day or the day after when we found out that Graham had stolen that vial of no anal, as I posted on the, the Facebook yes. post. Uh, with, <laughs> that was hysterical. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, I saw it and I'm like, hey, I got to do it. When he stole the thing, there were a lot of people who were suggesting – uh, they didn't see the murder coming. They suggested that Dina didn't have Alzheimer's, that she was being poisoned to make it look like she had Alzheimer's. And I thought that that was interesting in a way. Well, I don't know that I, and I, I don't think that that's anything that's going to happen um, that would be well, that's, interesting, that's like but I don't the know. Other, the other big suggestion is that that Sam, the baby, um, the baby that Kane and Juliet had, that that baby, I saw it. it People on Twitter theorizing that, and this is just so out there, I don't buy it for a second, but that that uh, Juliet actually stole one of Lily's eggs from when she had her eggs fertilized and impregnated herself, and that the baby will actually turn out to be uh, Cain and Lily's baby that Juliet carried, um, you know, in order to trap. That would explain why Lily's blood would... That would explain why Lily could donate blood. That would be fascinating. Well, um, and there is also the fact that they did remind us in those flashbacks that she had eggs. Yeah, you know, that she that's had true. Eggs harvested. So you know, it but I don't be, think. I, don't... I was say, I don't think in this situation, after going through this whole explanation from Mal Young about why telling the Alzheimer's story was so important to him, um, I can't imagine that he would just go psych. Guess what? It wasn't really Alzheimer's. She was being poisoned. Like I, I just I don't see I, I just I don't see that they would I do don't they could do that based they partnered on my, with the Alzheimer's Association. So Right, based on um, my conversations but, with him, I don't believe it at all. But I wouldn't hate it as a story if it meant we got to keep Dina and continue playing that kind I'll of drama with the family. That's sort of the, the selfish bit of where I go, yeah, that would be the worst thing that they could do of, of sort of uh, marginalizing a serious illness 
by saying she was being poisoned, um, especially since no one really did the full diagnosis that we've seen. We had that sort of cursory sit down and Dina drawing the clock that didn't really look like a clock. And then uh, Graham saying, yeah, I had her tested. She's got Alzheimer's. And, you know, we took him as his, at his word. Um, but to, to make it to where we were actually going, with Days of Our Lives, there's a murder mystery. I mean, it, is there a better sweep story than our murder mystery? I'm all in. I love a good murder mystery. I love – now, the key word is good. Soaps have been very disappointing in that regard many a time. You know, I mean, how many bad murder mysteries have we seen where you get to the end and the ending either Eight. makes no sense or is is so far – you know, it's just a big disappointment. Like, oh, you know, some random character we saw in the background was the murderer. Uh, I, I, yeah. I, I, my favorite soap of all time was The Edge of Night, which was, of course, very well known for its murder mysteries. I mean, that is what the show prided itself on: was they would introduce villains, spend months letting them do terrible things, and then they do they do what they called locker room murder mysteries. And and they were phenomenal, and they they just they just they they were twisty and turny, and they always had great resolutions. Um, and but but in more recent days, most murder mysteries tend to start strong because we're all excited about it, and then peter out. So I really hope that you're right that this is that this is a good one. I'm I I do love a good mystery. I still think you're talking about that. For me, my personal watching and viewing experience. I still think that The Loving Murders were my favorite murder mystery of all time. Um, yes, it was because the series was ending and morphing into the city, but they killed off major characters on a regular basis, which was great. And then there was a good payoff. Um, but we're not talking Fantastic. about that now. And if, any, and if anybody knows me and knows my obsession with opening credits, they did their own opening yes. credit sequence for it. Remember that? The sound, this is the sound of murder. And, and, and they kept playing that sound. And you spent the whole time thinking, what is that sound? And then they finally revealed at the end, and this isn't really a spoiler because it happened 20 years ago, that it was, it was actually Gwyneth playing with the locket around her neck. And that's exactly the sound that Dan is making right now. And it sounds like he's <laughs> chewing something gross. But it's actually the sound of Gwyneth's locket opening and closing because this is the sound of murder. I, of I found that on YouTube recently or danger, and I watched whatever. it. <laughs> yeah, when, when trouble comes, when, oh, it'll weird. sound like this. And, the, and loving will never be the same. And then the letters would all blow away. Oh, my God, it was so good. I'm geeking out right now. I just got chills remembering that. Oh, remind me, goodness. people. People, if you remind me on Twitter tomorrow, I will post that on Twitter because I have it. Uh, and I, I just loved that opening credit sequence. It was the coolest thing. did, too. It was really great. And especially since they updated it when they did, you know um, – I, I can't remember now. Jeremy Hunter thought he knew, and now he's a sculpture. Or you know, like whatever. Like they updated it too yep. after the murders and stuff. I thought that was that was really, really, really clever. It's not quite you know like and the bold and the beautiful did their little Halloween credits, but it's still good. It was especially interesting because this was a show that was canceled, and they were spending the money on doing this. Now I guess they had reason to, since it was being morphed into the city, and you know the more people they had tuning in to, to these murders into the end. Maybe the better they figured, the better chance they would have, you know, getting them to transfer over to the city. But, but still, it was just shocking to me that they put that. I mean, you know, how rarely do soaps change their credits these days? I've been complaining about the General Hospital opening credits. It sounds like, you know, <laughs> sounds like the opening to like, like, and now the evening news. <laughs> I, I have been complaining about that since the day it started, and no one listens to me. 
Well, I mean, I keep hoping that, you know, maybe that will change, but it doesn't look like the GH credits are, are ever going to change. It's been, what, six ever. years or so now? But anyway, <laughs> yes. um, for days of our lives, I think here's the, the other bit that I just thought of. A bunch of days of our lives in February is cut out because of the Olympics. Well, it's interesting you say that because I have, I just wanted to, I just today made a note to check into that because if you look at the broadcast schedule, that has been the case in the past that Days of Our Lives has been preempted for like two or three weeks because of the Olympics. But if you look at what they're saying, the broadcast schedule on NBC is going to be the afternoons are clear, um, which oh. seems odd to me. Um, but I don't know for sure. I, I I need to check into this because you know it's kind of important. Am I going to have anything to fill the pages for those, <laughs> those weeks. <laughs> you know, I uh, might be a good thing to know. Uh, but, Crap, and, and I've I know been my spending editor, the money. Right, I've been spending money that I would have paid recappers. <laughs> right, exactly. I know that I my know. news editors have checked into it, but I keep forgetting to actually ask them for the information. So, so I don't know whether it will be. Um, I would think that if, you know, it's interesting to me because in the past they've before they've gone on these big breaks, they've done, you know, stunts, like they've had explosions. Remember they had that year before the Olympics where they had the, uh, the explosions in the tunnels underneath Salem or whatever, and that gave you a good cliffhanger to get people to come back in two or three weeks. And I would think that Tony's Indeed. murder might have been that, but maybe they have something bigger well, up their sleeves. I have from an NBC press release. See, this is what happens with the joy okay. of the Internet. What did we do before the Internet? It says NBC's Olympic daytime coverage will air from 3 to 5 p.m. Eastern on weekdays. So I'm guessing so that, that maybe to me they're the not. Days will be on. Damn. I have to figure out how to make that money back that I've already spent. Not having to... <laughs> <laughs> I plan on having some extra money to spend those couple of weeks. Oh, damn. Yeah, I'm well. Sure. Guess Coral Manor is going to have to put off that paint job. <laughs> <laughs> There'll be no heat for the next couple of weeks. We gotta make the money back. No, um, well, that's actually sort of a good thing. I mean, that's a, that is a good discussion because you always wonder: Can the show sustain momentum if you're taking two weeks off of its broadcast schedule? Well, according to what I'm just finding out here, days will still be on. Although we'll still check it out and, and either the soaps in depth. Uh, Twitter or the Soap Central Twitter. Somebody will, will tweet out if we're wrong, but uh, I, that's a good oh, thing. I, I we just couldn't don't both know. Be wrong. Well, I mean, what are, in what universe could we both be wrong? That's not even possible. It's inconceivable. <laughs> somewhere, somewhere over it. Uh, and again, people, this is all a joke. So calm down. But meanwhile, somewhere over <laughs> at the Soap Digest thing is planning to put on big headlines. You know, despite what. Heard elsewhere, the Olympics will kill. Uh, <laughs> just to try to prove us both wrong, all in one fell swoop. Uh, well, we're never inviting them anyway. back on this show. We are never inviting them back on this show. That's for sure. <laughs> well, oh we goodness! Probably should start wrapping this up um, because oh, I know sure. you are hungry, and I know I am hungry, and I can't believe anybody wants to listen to more of us. So don't. why don't you um, do us a little outro? And um, and I'm going to guess that maybe in, in, you know, a couple weeks or when I get back from my cruise, which will be a little longer than that, maybe you can, maybe you'll come back and we'll do a February sweeps wrap up. Talk about what worked. We could. 
Of course, here on the show last year, you also told everyone that you would be coming to visit me sometime in okay, either that September. Okay, was Dan Kroll from Soap Central, and he's got to go now. <laughs> it's so mean to me. Why do, I, why do I continue to put up with this horrible, horrible treatment? For those of you out there who are wondering who I am, why I am, uh, I mean, you're not alone. But if you're looking to find out what I'm up to, you can follow my personal account everywhere across social media. It's all of them are at Dan J. Kroll, whether it be Twitter, Instagram, uh, Snapchat, which I don't use. I only use that when I'm in the doctor's office with my grandmother and we make funny faces and entertain ourselves. But you can find me there. The work stuff where it's far less entertaining and mar- far more soapy, you can find me uh, at Soap Central. That's on Twitter. Of course, SoapCentral.com. We have an Instagram feed. It's the Soap Central because someone stole Soap Central and is now – selling bars of soap or something. I don't know. But that's where you can find me. That's what I'm up to. My personal accounts, I typically don't talk about soaps unless it's something big, like a Jeannie Francis situation. So if you need to come up with something that isn't quite soapy and you want to hear about my day or my food or any of the countdowns that I listen to every week, follow me at Dan J. Kroll. And apparently every now and again I pop up here to make sure that Richard is kept in line and entertained. Tune you in know, tomorrow. If you, back to, too early? if you listen to what you just said, you just said that Soap Central isn't entertaining. I hope you know that. If you're looking for something less oh. entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I kind of think that I'm advertising more. Campaign. You might want to use the marketing campaign. If you want something less I entertaining, was, come to Soap Central. I, I, Damn it, you know, that's what I get for letting the Digest uh, intern moonlight for me, too. Damn it. Um, <laughs> I don't know why I'm picking well, on them. I actually love all the people at Digest as well. Oh, um, my God. No, okay, now we're going. Now I'm cutting for, you off. If we're going for Dan, soapy entertainment, as, it's fun. Dan, thanks, as always, for hanging out with me. Um, don't bother responding because I just cut off your mic. Um, for those of you who don't know, I'm Richard. I'm the uh, executive editor at Soaps in Depth, but also the Tweet Master General. And you can find me anywhere on the internet. P- t- type in random words. For example, type in "How rude are you?" You'll find me at Twitter. Type in "All TV, All Shade" on Twitter. You'll find me. And of course, if you type in Soaps in Depth ABC or Soaps in Depth CBS on Twitter, you'll find me there as well. My Facebook page is Facebook. Facebook.com slash Trelfie, T-R-A-L-F-I-E, a a name I adapted long ago and really just wish I hadn't because it's stupid. Um, And as always, I want to thank all of you for coming because without you guys, this show would have no real reason to exist. So thanks for having hanging out. I hope you had a great time. If you want to reach me, reach out and reach out and touch me, reach out and uh, send me a tweet. And remember, because it's soaps, what do you have to do? Tune in. No, not today. Tomorrow. Have a great night.